Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays and welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss X-Men number 62, the November 1969 issue, titled Strangers in a Savage Land. Wow. Meanwhile, back in the jungle. The boys in the jungle had me on the run when something heavy hit me like an atomic bomb. When I woke up and my head started to clear, I had a strange feeling I was with cooking gear. I smelled something cooking and I looked to see. That's when I found out they was uh, cooking me. You know, it's Christmas time or the holiday season, depending upon what you celebrate. And I was just unwrapping presents underneath my tree and noticed that there was no big sentinel under there. So clearly <laughs> my pleas for new toys went unheard, but that's okay. I'll get over it. You didn't give anybody your address. Well, somebody could have tried. <laughs> I'm on the internet. They can look me up email me look if somebody emailed me and they're like hey i want to send you a giant sentinel what's your address i'd figure out a place for them to mail it but i guess not okay so on the cover of this issue we have kesar and zabu 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 whom we haven't seen since uh, x-men number 10 indeed the they're high up Looking down at four X-Men from a cliff face. Yeah, it's the four X-Men minus Angel. Now strikes Kesar, says the, the caption. And that's about all there is to say about that. I guess there's some smoke and fire in the background, so something bad has happened. Apparently this was the best-selling issue in Neil Adams' run. Well, I wonder if that's because, like, there was all the buildup over the Sentinel issues, and it was, like, maybe a little bit of a buzz got started, and maybe some crossover in some of the letters sections of the other comics about how cool this comic line was, because, well, I didn't think this issue was all that great. But people like Kazar. Oh, do you think that's what it is? You don't think it's the buildup? Yeah, I'm sure buildup had something to do with it, but I think people buy issues based on covers. Hmm. Or at least that was like the Marvel philosophy at the time. Oh, okay. So a new kid who doesn't really collect comics comes in and they see this crazy barbarian and his uh, saber-toothed tiger on the cover. And they're like, ooh, that's the one I want to buy. Right. Okay. So it's not really about branding. It's not the X-Men or Kesar. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about what pictures are the coolest. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let's open up and find out what's going on. I mean, you go from... I guess if you want to call that picture of Kesar and Sapu cool, you could. Uh, but you get another picture of a, a Pteranodon going to eat Angel, essentially. And Angel's screaming, It can't be happening again! It can't! And so I guess he's flashing back to his encounters with Sauron. We don't know what's going on yet. And in fact, the last issue, the last we saw of... Angel was after be be uh, Beast clocked him. Oh, the yeah. last we saw of Angel, he was unconscious. 
So uh, there's no credits in this issue here. No, there isn't. But it's, uh, well, I guess it's Roy Thomas and Neil Adams again, right? Yep. Tom Palmer on inks. Roy Thomas gets to wax poetic in a oval uh, dialogue box over the pteranodon's head. I'm not going to read it, but there's something about, uh, but hadn't all this happened to him once before? Or do nightmares always come twice? Now, is that a turn of a phrase there? I was just about to ask the same thing. Is that's is that what people say? Well, the postman always rings twice. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what he was writing, and he's like, I don't know. The postman doesn't sound quite as good as nightmares. Let's go with nightmares. So uh, Angel is getting kind of the crap knocked out of him by all these pteranodons as he's flying. We don't really know where he's flying yet, and something hits him with a grazing shot across the face and he goes plummeting down and he can barely keep conscious as he's falling. And that's when he starts to flash back. So I've noticed that um, Neil Adams or Roy Thomas or the combo of the two seem to like to open up each issue with a flashback. It seems like lately anyways. I'm wondering if this is to try to rope in new new readers or to keep story continuity going or I don't, I don't know what the point is i don't know to make it exciting you know a story that you don't really know what it's going on right away you are intrigued you you want to know what is going on what is that giant spaceship traveling over that planet firing at that tiny little other spaceship a uh, good point uh so and i guess this does flash back to moments that we haven't seen and i got a question for you adam is yours oddly colored it's, uh, yeah, it's that interesting technique of like a uh, single line uh, art and then very solid colors are divided. So we get like some dark blues, some light blues, some greens, some reds. I mean, I like it. I, I think it's a nice touch for the flashback uh, uh, effect. So, and you don't, you don't really see it that often. It would be... Amazing if this was consistent beyond a single issue. <laughs> so Angel, we flash back to Angel, who is with Alex and Lorna Dane. Uh, apparently the other X-Men have taken off. Alex is untying Angel. So not only did Beast clock him, but he knocked him out. Yeah, and tied him up. But then Alex came along and untied him and said, Okay, don't worry about it. Uh, the X-Men have gone to see Dr. Lycos uh, about you. And dot, dot, dot. I don't know why they're going to, why were they going to go? Oh, they wanted to see Dr. Lycos to see if he, if Dr. Lycos could help cure Angel, right? Of the hypnosis. Okay. Well, they knew something weird was going on. So they were like, we better go talk to Dr. Lycos about this. Yeah. And that's when Angel kind of breaks and is like, Dr. Lycos is the, the one called Sauron. I've got to stop them. Help them. And so he flies off to, I guess, the, uh. According to this caption, he goes to Dr. Lycos's office which is empty, but an address book yields another lead when he shows up at Tanya, uh, Carl Lycos's not-quite-girlfriend. Love interest. Her, her dad's apartment or dad's house or whatever it is, dad's hotel room. Her dad is there, and she sees he sees the winged creature, and he, what is this? He grabs some sort of object. It's very phallic. <laughs> in the first panel, it looks like a statue, and in the second panel, it kind of looks like a dustbuster. 
I was thinking it kind of looked like a hammer in the second panel. Okay. Big hammer. Tanya's dad is Thor. <laughs> uh-huh. So I guess we're to believe that um, Dr. Carl Icos has a little black book with one address in it, and it happens to be the address of the hotel room in which the uh, Tanya's father is staying at. Right, okay. which explains how the X-Men also showed up at his place last issue. They must have discovered the same address book. So how many little black books do you think uh, Carl has with single addresses uh, <laughs> scribbled in them? Well, not only that, but as we learn after in, uh, Tanya's father attacks Angel, realizes he's not Sauron and asks, it basically tells Angel that he has no idea where Carl or his daughter is. Angel goes back to the doctor's office and discovers a journal telling of his strange childhood and mentioning a certain mountain in the far off land called Tierra del Fuego. So what does Angel do? He goes there. <laughs> Yeah, he's back and forth all over town, and now he's flying his way from Manhattan to Tierra del Fuego, which is what? Close to the North Pole? I hope that, like, Dr. Lycos left a final journal entry, and now I must travel to Tierra del Fuego. <laughs> del, del Fuego. Because otherwise, why is Angel going here? He's grasping his straws. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in a place called Tierra del Fuego. Hmm, I think I'm going to go try that. <laughs> So he shows up uh, at the house. I don't know how he found it. So, I mean, there must have been like... Um, Tierra del Fuego is actually pretty small. Yeah, but there's got to be more than just one cabin in Tierra del Fuego. No. <laughs> just one cabin? <laughs> no, maybe the journal was very accurate. It, it had a map. It had like geographic <laughs> coordinates. Yeah. So Angel shows up and Tanya happens to be there. And she's like, I'm Tanya, the girl who loved Dr. Kyle Lycos. <laughs> It's such an odd introduction, but that's what she goes with. He's dead now, but the X-Men search for his body up there. That seems like it should be past tense. But the X-Men searched for his body up there. As the X-Men are not up where she's pointing. They've been searching for quite a while. She just assumes it's been like four days and she's like, well, they started four days ago. They must still be searching. Hmm. All right, so Angel heads up there, and he finds his way to a chasm, and he flies down the chasm to see what he can find when he is attacked by pteranodons. Which brings us right back to page one. And we see an angel plummeting to maybe his death. The caption talks about him not being able to see. We could totally do a loop right now and just read these first four pages over and over again. Yeah. That, we, that could be the entire podcast. In fact, we don't even have to do it. We could stop right now and just edit it over and over. <laughs> 45 minutes of the same story again and again and again. And then the Marvel Universe never actually proceeds. Right. Because we're stuck in the angel loop. This is the last episode. <laughs> well. <laughs> no. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> yes. Worst Christmas present ever. <laughs> angel busts through the sky of... Some strange and possibly savage land. <laughs> You're giving it all away. Oh, whoops. <laughs> well, the cover kind of gave it away, and the title kind of gave it away. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, he bursts through some trees, in which, which I guess there's a, a, some warm air wakes him up, and his wings flap instinctively, and then he crashes to the ground. And a 
toady-looking man <laughs> kind of hops into frame and says to his master, Look what your loyal servant has found, a human from the above world, but a human with wings. And then we get this uh, full-page spread of an old man who kind of looks like Cable. Uh-huh, totally. And this amphibian creature. I think this is Cable. He's got like a, he's got all the uh, pouches, the belt pouches. That's true. And he's got all this weird metallic crap around his arms and, and stuff. And he's he's holding a big stick, which is probably secretly a gun. And he's got a gun and his waist there. He does have a gun in his holster. Yep. First appearance of Cable right here. And it's a Liefeld drawing because there's no feet depicted in the picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, white-haired man. He's got contraptions all over his body. And uh, he says, oh, this one came from the abyss just as I did. But unlike me, this one will never return from whence he came for he is dead. Oh, no. The angel is dead. The angel is dead. Oh, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> Dead? The the toad-like creature's name is Amphibious. Oh, I'm sorry. Amphibious. Then he is useless to you, creator, and to our cause. The master here says uh, that he is he's a genius, <laughs> and uh, maybe that if they bring his dead body with them, he can unlock some secret information or something like that. And then we cut to, in another nightmare, Miles' distance, the four remaining X-Men are fighting a Tyrannosaurus Rex. At least they say it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but the arms look a little big to me. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, they're flying around. Uh, it's more like a Godzilla. Yeah, Beast is swinging around. Iceman is making some ice slides. Marvel Girl and Cyclops are sliding right behind him. Which is ridiculous. They're running up the slide, <laughs> yes. the icy slide, towards the dinosaur's mouth well the it doesn't last long because the tyrannosaurus knocks down the ice slide i think he bites it with his mouth or smacks it with his yeah. tail one of the two he goes flying and cyclops blasts the dinosaur in its mouth but he also says now stand back because the next move belongs to cyclops because <laughs> he likes introducing himself <laughs> Just in case you weren't aware of who's about to make the next move, which involves me shooting you, it's Cyclops. It's this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he and he's about to go uh, for another shot when an arm reaches out from a tree and pulls him wait, back. Wait, 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 wait. While he's taking a shot, he says, it'll take more than a set of braces to fix up that lizard's bridge work. Yeah, because he just shot him in the mouth. I... That's just, I don't know. I just find that really hard to, okay. It's Cyclops humor. Well, it would have been nice if he said, now it'll take more than a set of braces to fix up that lizard's. I, I thought he was just being like critical of the poor lizard's teeth. Oh, he's like, come here, Snaggletooth. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did I shoot you in the face, I'm also going to insult your teeth. So yeah, he blasts them and then he gets grabbed. You have done enough, X-Men. This is my land, not yours. Psych, look, we should have known. It's Kesar. <laughs> then we are in his savage domain. Oh, it's not the savage land. It's the savage domain. Just as we suspected. But we're far north of Antarctica. Wait a minute. I thought, all right. See, now I thought Tierra del Fuego was like in the North Pole. 
it's okay. So that's why it's cold. Okay, so it's the southernmost tip of South America. So it's very close to Antarctica, but is not in Antarctica. Wow. Okay, everybody gets a geography lesson this week. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Have a Quasi Kwanzaa, and let's move on. So, Kesar is not happy that the X Men are in his land, knocking dinosaurs around and stuff. In fact, he's never happy. I thought last time the X-Men met Kesar, the Kesar was like, Hey, thanks for your help. Don't ever come back. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Kesar reminds him that his jungle lair is much larger than anyone can possibly imagine. Do you think it's under the whole world? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I want to know how they get sunlight. I mean, the heat I can understand because they're closer to the earth's core, but how do they get sunlight? I think it's a dimensional portal. Oh, okay. That's, That's my guess. Of course, you wouldn't know it because most of these panels have a green or a white background, so you don't really know what's in the background. It's mysterious. So, Kesar, he starts pointing at the X-Men and... <laughs> but I have not come to talk. I came only to say, you must be silent. Huh? Are we keeping your dinosaurs awake? Cyclops asks. I shall say no more. It's at this point that Iceman takes the opportunity to freeze Kesar's pointing finger. To which I say, how rude. Yeah, seriously. And then, not to be made a fool of, Kesar smacks the crap out of Iceman with his own frozen fist. And then Beast, uh, he's like, hey, that's, that's my buddy. And he punches Kesar across the face. Yeah, but he gets punched out by Kesar. So Kesar is much stronger than Beast, I, I think. Other than, or or uh, Beast was pulling his punches, one of the two. At any rate, Beast is about to get up when Zebu shows up and, and Beast cracks a little joke. And that is most definitely it, you Grapefruit League Tarzan. For that, I'm going to dot, dot, dot. I'm going to lie very still and play dead. I, I did find that actually kind of humorous. Isn't that small text font and everything? I know. I, I agree. It was funny. The best part of the entire issue is that panel. That's right probably there. the funniest thing that's happened in this comic book. <laughs> Ever. Yes. Kesar says that he needs to do something by himself. Please don't follow. And then he takes off. But make sure to be quiet. I just came to say quiet, guys. <laughs> Seriously. Just hey, shut up. Hey, shh, shh, shh. Kesar's working. But uh, the X-Men, of course, follow Kesar. They notice that he's up in a tree and he's paused, looking down at something. And we get to see that Kesar is looking down upon the people he seeks. He calls them the Swamp Savages, except for their leader, who is dressed in a purple and, I guess, purplish-reddish cloak. And, I guess, a member of the Water People is being held prisoner, captive. Whatever their purpose, Kesar consents that it is evil. That's pretty cool. Kesar has the sense of evil. Sure. I can tell that they are evil. And evil may not exist in this jungle. Such is the law of Kesar. <laughs> and down he swings from the tree and starts punching out the swamp savages. And then some guy says, The golden-haired one attacks, and with him, the beast called Zebu. <laughs> Completely needless word balloons. <laughs> In case you guys didn't know what was going on, that's why I'm here. That's not just any saber-toothed tiger. No, 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 that's Zabu. Watch out. <laughs> Spineless son of this jackal. 
Tell me what you do you want to do with the menu capture or freeze Kazekesar's wrath. Uh, you are arrogant, golden hair. But you shall not be for long. Look into my eyes. Okay, so this guy's got some powers, perhaps some mes mesmering powers. Kesar knows no fear, evil one. I shall look. Just like in two issues ago when Angel looked into Soran's eyes. You want me to look in your eyes? I'll look into your eyes. I'm going to look into your eyes like your eyes of... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and Kesar's head begins to spin. And he, he, he falls unconscious. Uh, the X-Men see all of this. It's Iceman who says, It's not our fight, Hank. Kesar said that. So they're just going to let them kill Kesar. Bobby's a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> then we're making it ours. I say that. In other words, attack! We get another ass shot. Of Cyclops. We get a, the giant word attack, which is like larger than the title. Maybe this issue is called Attack. It should be. And then we get this great panel where uh, it looks like Beast, Iceman, and Cyclops are all attacking the same dude at the same time. <laughs> that guy gets blasted. That's, uh, that's good uh, teamwork. Marvel Girl, uh, she didn't get the right cue, so she's attacking somebody else. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> she's trying. Well, she's throwing away the spears and the axes, which oh, is okay. kind of nice. So meanwhile, uh, that battle is happening. Uh, we transcend over the landscape and into a, I don't know, some high-tech lair that the uh, master here has put together. And he's put Angel into a cryogenic unit, uh, which it has kept alive the flickering spark of life I detected in that one, a spark which none but I could have sensed. Even though earlier he said he's dead. Well, you know. For all intents and purposes, he was dead, but there was a flicker of life. All right. It didn't prevent him from being dead, but it was there. It seems like it would be more accurate if he told his amphibian man, like, without our help, he will die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, anything, just like... To the lab, Watson! Yes, only I can bring him back. Only my mastery of whatever power it is that I have. Uh, if not that, then he'll die. But anyways... We get a nice close-up of this guy, sweating profusely. It is now time for the supreme, the ultimate test. Can his microscopic cells arrested at the very threshold of death itself be restored to sentient life? Or is it already too late? Okay, so in other words, he's like seven-eighths dead and one-eighth alive. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if nothing happens, he dies. Right. Okay. All right. And then we get a we get a panel of this guy where he has quicksilver hair. Well, yeah, he's got like the little, uh, well, yeah, kind of mock Wolverine hair spikes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So D Dr. Frankenstein pulls his levers, whatever he needs to do. There's one bit of text that I missed before that I noticed here. Uh, you'll replace his life as easily as you did his tattered clothing. <laughs> right. They have to explain the fact that Angel is now wearing another costume for some reason. Well, I find it... I mean, this it's is... It's very creepy. It's, well, it's, it's a turning point, actually. I mean, because Angel just went from his uh, yellow and blue costume to his red costume, and now he's wearing a blue and white costume that even has, like, a little angel halo on it that this, this man here decided to, like, whip up or something. It's not like he had it laying around, because, I mean, it has the angel hole or the wing holes and everything. 
So it's literally like he's like, I'm going to save this guy and I'm going to knit him a new costume. Yeah. Even though he might die. <laughs> right, right. Even though he's seven, eight's dead. And not only that, but like this becomes Angel's costume for quite a while. Yeah. And we have this man to thank for this blue and white costume. It's so weird how these little design <laughs> choices were made and how they were decided. I mean, it's not like they could wait like a whole another issue for this one to be over and then to be like, Hey guys, I got a new costume. What do you think? Oh, that's great. Warren, let's go to the cafe. A go, go. None of these costumes happen on the fly in the middle of the action. You think it's just like Neil Adams is like, I hate these costumes. I'm drawing this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, okay. Roy, put some text in there. Explain it away. Well, anyways, he does flip some switches Angel's eyes flicker and tremble, and then they open, and he lives again. He lives again. What? Who in blazes? He is the all-consuming creator. Hail to whom he, him who rules the Savage Land. Hmm. So he doesn't have a name yet, this, this master guy. Oh, it is the Savage Land again. Yeah. We're not in the Savage Domain. This is the Savage Land. Maybe it was coined that way by this guy. Could be. And the guy with the purple cloak, who I guess has been stripped down to his underwear, comes running in. Creator, it is Equilibrious. Not to be confused with Amphibious. He whose eyes cause the world to spin. If I'm this master guy, I'm like, yeah, I know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But he comes tattered and staggering like one who has known defeat. Oh, man, that's rough. Everybody knows he's known defeat. Yes, I admit my forces were routed and I fled before them. We were beaten by the X-Men, essentially. Yeah, but he doesn't say that. He says, we had captured Kesar when four others attacked with powers that scattered my swamp men. And then this guy says, the other X-Men? So he knows the X-Men and he speculates... That it's them. It's the other X-Men that... Beat up. What was his name again? Equilibrious. <laughs> Equilibrious. Well, perhaps this man knows of the X Men, and he sees Angel, and he's like, "Well, if Angel's here, who's an X Men, there must be four other people here who must be the X Men." But if you're Angel and you just kind of come out of this um, coma or whatever, and you're in a brand new costume, and you got this crazy old man talking about the X Men, aren't you kind of like, "Hey, do we have we met?" <laughs> What's going on over there? He does. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of in shock, and he's like, "You say that like the X Men were your enemies, but they're not. Not unless your setup here is on the shady side." Yeah, but I mean, wouldn't you be like, "How do you know the X Men? Where are we? How do I get out of here? I want to go home." <laughs> Those would be the obvious questions. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you don't understand. I am engaged in vital work here. But if your fellow X-Men listen to that murdering case, sir. Whoa, slow down a minute. You saved my life, mister, and I know it. And if you can prove you're on the level, I'll help you, even against the X-Men. What? Uh, yes. Angel's ready to turn traitor just like that? Uh, yeah, that's uh, crazy what a nap will do. <laughs> <laughs> this is his new costume. He's like, well, this costume's like better than anything Marvel Girl's ever whipped up. I'm on your side, man. Let's do it. Let's go kill those X-Men. So uh, the X-Men and Kesar have defeated those other guys. Uh, one of the mud people or whatever, he takes off on a giant chicken. <laughs> Very joust-like. 
Kesar is thanking the X-Men, but is like, you must go. And then he takes off after the the joust guy. There is no time for talk. Heed Kesar's words and flee the Savage Land while you still can. My question is, do you think the X-Men would know how to get out of the Savage Land if they tried at this point? Yeah, they'd, you know, go back up the hole. They just have to find the hole. <laughs> okay. There's all these holes to the Savage Land that they always keep <laughs> happening to find. All right. Well, he he takes off. And the X-Men follow. Sheesh, we come here to recover a body and wind up in the middle of a civil war. Not a mere civil war, mutants. I sense there is more at stake here than any of us can dream. Oh, yeah. In case people didn't listen to episode 10, we're speculating that Kesar's French. (laughs) (laughs) Go back and listen to episode 10. It's our best one. (laughs) Best one ever. (laughs) Everything else pales in comparison to that one. Well, it turns out that there's a pan flute player here who is called the Piper. And when he makes music, death and destruction are his dread refrain. So do you think this is a mutant power, or do you think this is a power of his pan flute? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. Very interesting, Jungle Man, says Iceman. But what's that got to do with us? <laughs> Iceman not using his brain, this issue. Yeah. In the foreground, we see this big serpent body kind of wriggling its way towards the X-Men, it looks like. And uh, next page, it attacks them. Well, at the first it attacks Marvel Girl, and she says, oh! <laughs> Iceman shoots ice at his face to freeze it. He dives under the water that are hot springs that melt the ice. Oh, just like that. Yeah. You always have to be so right, Psyche. Look, that thing's got us surrounded. To which Psyche says, why you always got to be so wrong? <laughs> Could you just stop talking? <laughs> They are uh, attempting to fight off the serpent, and Kesar takes off in the opposite direction. They start calling him coward. Chicken, even. Because they don't know any better. Well, it's Iceman again. Mm-hmm. And then we get this kind of odd sequence here where the pan flute player is playing his flute. He's lifted up off the ground, held by his chin bone or jawbone by Kesar. Kesar puts his palm on this guy's face and his thumb on his forehead. And in the next panel, he's just laying there. And I think his flute's crushed. Is this the first word balloonless sequence in the X-Men? Oh, definitely. Definitely the first word balloonless sequence. But I'm almost kind of wondering, like, did Kesar just drive his thumb through this man's forehead? That's what it seems like. <laughs> I think this dude's dead. Or he used some sort of special power. I think Kesar's only power is, like, strength and the ability to hang out with a giant lion named Zabu. <laughs> Apparently the uh, in the last panel, Roy Thomas asked Tom Palmer in the when he was doing finishes to add in the broken uh, pipe. Okay. Little fact there. Factoid really. Interesting because it's kind of a crappy drawing of a broken uh, yeah. flute but uh, huh. the music stopped and when the music stops the serpent goes away when the music's over (laughs) so uh earlier in the book i think we kind of missed it but it was said that this old master man created all of these mutants Uh, we must have missed it but in this panel angel deduces that 
this old man has been searching out mutants among the Savage Land, much like a Stone Age Professor X. I'm not familiar with that man you mentioned. But there are sources of untapped radiation in this land which make mutants and therefore outcasts of any primitives. So he's rescued these mutants from the hostile tribesmen and he's going to harness their power and fight to protect them against Kesar. And then he introduces them all. Gaza, the blind giant I taught to see mentally. Amphibious, the man frog. Hang on. Can we just back up a second? Gaza, the blind giant I taught to see mentally. He seems like more of a liability than somebody that's going to actually help you. What's your power? Well, I'm blind, but I can see mentally. So what do you do? Well, I can see. Don't you understand? I can't see with my eyes. I see with my mind. Okay. I can't really do anything, but I can see. Yeah, I can see past you. Oh, all right. Maybe he's supposed to be like Daredevil. Okay. And he's got like daredevil type powers, enhanced senses and whatnot. He looks like a big dumb oaf. I suspect we'll find out next issue just what all of these characters can do. Okay. Continue. Amphibious, Barbarous, both tormented because they were different. Uh, Barbarous just looks like a thug. Oh, he's four, he's got four arms, I see. Lupo, who is at one with certain beasts. Don't know what that means. Mm. Sounds pretty creepy, though. Mm-hmm. He sleeps with the wild beasts. <laughs> and Brainchild, with a computer-like mind, yet the emotions of an infant. Talk about a liability. <laughs> yes, again. Anything happens and he just curls up and starts crying. No! <laughs> I'm really smart and really sensitive. <laughs> That's logically unfair. <laughs> and he also mentions Piper, who, as we know, is probably dead. Hold it. Says the angel, there's no need for them to battle my buddies or Kesar. I'll call them off. I owe you that much. That's pretty nice of Angel. He's going he's gonna to go and try and get everybody to talk. And this man is like, oh, okay, that's, that's very nice. If you could uh, do that, that would bring peace to our troubled land. Off Angel goes. The peace it will be. And then the man turns nasty. The angel will delay the others, thus giving me the precious moments I need. The moments that will make me master of an entire planet. Then does he suspect, creator? No, amphibious. But then, why should he? The angel has never seen me before, except in all my conquering colors. Perhaps it's true what they say. Perhaps clothes do make the man. And then he begins stroking Magneto's helmet. Yeah. Where did he get Magneto's helmet? Who is this guy? Yeah, no kidding. I can only uh, uh, pontificate one thing, is that when Magneto died on those rocks, his helmet was floating around. He got sucked into like a one of those little uh, water vortexes and pulled down into the Savage Land. And this crazy man, Cable, if you will, was like, hey, this is a neat helmet. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes sense. Unless, wait a minute, is it possible that this man... Could be Magneto. Whoa, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Crazy. No wonder this is the most popular issue of the time. Next issue, Magneto and one other. Oh. It, it'll be amphibious. I hope so. I can't get enough of that amphibious character. So there you have it, the triumphant return of Magneto. Keen. <laughs> Keen indeed. So that that issue was all right. It's it was a setup issue essentially. 
for what is probably going to be an amazingly action-packed, fun, and exciting issue. Yeah. Next month. Somehow I doubt that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're just uh, four short issues away from the conclusion of the original run of the X-Men. Gosh. Then we got to do something else. The uh, letters page, it was interesting. Uh, speaking of something else, uh, letters, someone asks what happened with the Marvel Girl origin. Yep. And they respond, as for the origin of Marvel Girl, we've temporarily discontinued our X-Men origin series in order to have a full 20 pages for our future story. Still, we do plan to show how Professor X discovered Jean Grey and her mutant power in some near future issue in a story which would, of course, immediately predate X-Men number one. Oh, Whoa. I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah. I think they're planning it for issue 67. (laughs) I think you're right. Starting issue 67, Marvel Girl's Origin. A couple of things to mention on the Facebook page. Folks, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not on the Facebook page, I highly encourage you to get get out there. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Have had uh, a lot of good activity recently. I would love to see more activity. But uh, Arthur Painter kind of, uh, he took a spin on something we tried earlier. We tried having some uh, of our listeners record their favorite um, X-Men sequence if you will and maybe do different voices and sound effects and stuff and we had one taker and it was fun Uh, but arthur he kind of took it in a different way and took a section of a comic book took out all the word balloons and put in his own word balloons and uh, it was kind of funny yeah he was responding to that uh that we were talking about how the logic in that sentinel episode was completely ridiculous yes so he, he went and wrote in his own version of logic Yes, and it's a it's a Star Wars one, so you know it'll appeal to most everybody out there, and uh, you know it's uh, something that I was like, I want to do one, uh, but <laughs> but I think it'd be very funny if other people kind of followed suit in that one. Also, um, who else we had? We had Peter Watson, whom whom I think is one of our newer Facebookers. He expressed some interest in hearing some um, hidden years stuff. Oh, we're bringing up this again. I just, you know, keeping it out there, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. The future's not written yet. There's no fate but what we make. No. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Lots of stuff going on on the Facebook lately. Uh, a lot partially thanks to our tweeter, uh, Edward Gibson the Third. Yep. He, he keeps on tweeting. And uh, people are responding to those tweets. It's almost like we got a community. Almost. Almost. Email us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. Give us a five-star iTunes review and a, um, with, a, with a nifty blurb about how much you enjoy the show. Uh, or you can go to at dangerroomgo on Twitter. Or check us out on Stitcher. There you go. So many ways to get to us. I have a question for everybody. Since we're getting towards the end, this actually kind of came up from Pat Gunter, or Gunter, I'm not really sure which one, on the Facebook page. He said that everything with Lucifer in the early issues are so instantly forgettable that it made me think of a question, uh, the opposite spectrum of that. In this original run, since we're getting close to it, I think it would be cool if people would sound off about 
either which issue or which storyline in these first 66 issues was their favorite. And uh, we can discuss further on Facebook. What do you say about that? Great idea. All right. Let's get that going, everybody. And uh, until next week, the danger room is closed. Have fun. We'll travel. Reads the card of a man. A knife without armor in a savage land. His fast gun for hire. He's the calling wind. A soldier of fortune is a man called.